There was an Indian boy, and he was in a canoe with an old Indian warrior, and they were going down this river, and they were paddling along and spending the whole day together. And uh, things were being pointed out as they went along, you know, things about nature and the animals and different pieces of what they saw as they moved along and that tree and the way it moved in the wind and all the different things they could learn. And as they watched the hawk overhead and how it flew and this boy was just soaking it up, soaking up time with the warrior who was sharing with him and soaking up all that was around him in nature. And as they were going along, all of a sudden he kind of heard in the distance sort of a a little bit louder sound. And, and as they moved towards it, a little bit more loud and a little bit more loud. And it became the roaring sound of the rapids that were up ahead of him. And he turns around and he looks at him and he says, we're coming near the waterfalls and the rapids. Should we just stop and pray? And, and he said, pray. Yes. Paddle. Yes. Right? Like all too often, when we get into our trouble situations, really kind of the first move is stop and panic, right? But how often do we really need to say, hey, in the midst of wherever we're at, God is calling us to responsibility. He has huge authority and we trust in him and we rely on him and he is the sovereign God of this universe. We're depending upon him for leading us and for shaping us and guiding us. But we have responsibility too. You know, we're in a series now called Without Apology. We're talking about why the Bible? Like one of our pillars is we will preach the word of God without apology. Why? Why do we lift this word up? And we've been walking through different facets of the word. Today we're looking at this piece. What's my responsibility with the word of God? What do I need to be doing as I handle God's word each week and each day? So that's what we're going to be taking a look at. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 119, verse 105. Psalm 119, verse 105 just raise your hand if you don't have a Bible, and uh, the ushers will get a Bible to you, okay? Just raise your hand, and they'll get one to you. We even have one of our Denver ushers here today. How's it going, Nate? All right. Psalm 119, 105. What is our responsibility? First, let God's Word light your path. Let God's Word light your path. Where do you get that from, Tim? Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We don't need to be all too creative sometimes when we're coming up with what are we trying to hear from God's word. Just take it right directly from what you see there and know and learn and grow from it, right? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Let's just start right at the top here. Your word is a lamp. Your word, God. Not a word or the word or, you know, ah, some words are your word, God. Your Bible, your presentation of who you are and what you think and how you act, your character and your will and your desire and your whole of you being revealed to us through your word. Wow. Your word. Very possessive, very powerful. Your word, it's a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. You know, often when we hear of this, we think of our modern day lamps and lights, or we may even picture somebody with this huge torch that's on fire and it's just lighting up the whole hillside and there's shadows cast everywhere. And, and actually what the word probably better meant was they had these little lamps 
with oil in them and this little wick and you lit it and it didn't send off this big white light. It was just sent off this soft amber light and it showed just a little bit around and you would kind of hold it out ahead of you and you could see the next step. You know what I'm talking about? And so you could take that step. Oh, and that's, oh, and that's where I'm, okay, I see it. That's how it worked. One step at a time, this little soft amber light lighting just a little bit around you that you needed to be able to see, to be able to see your path where you're headed. It says it lights your path. So you can literally see the steps you need to be taking, the places you need to put your feet. You know, like I need to step over that. I'm not going to trip on that rock or that stump or that whatever thing is out there in the middle of the pathway. And oh, there's the edge of the path. Don't want to go off of there. They're getting too close to that, right? And kind of heading back and forth. It shows you step by step how to stay on where God's guiding you and leading you. One step at a time. The word is a light to my path. It says, I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. Uh, I'm sold out to this. I'm 100% committed, God, to following what you've told me to be doing. I'm telling you, if I read it, I'm going to be doing it. It's going to be a part of my life. I swore it and I've confirmed it. Like I promised, I'm telling you, I've given the whole of me to this. This is what I'm about. That's what he's saying. Are you there? Able to say, Lord, if I read it, then I know it. If I know it, then I'm going to be about doing it. If I'm about doing it, then I'm expecting your faithfulness to follow through with me on it. That's what we need to be committed to. God's word. When we talk about responsibility. It's not God's word like, if I took a Bible quiz this week, I could pass it with a 94 or better. It's not the knowledge test. It's the, if I'm in the midst of a tough situation and my emotions are flying off the handle and it's not going the way I wanted, I'm going to rest in the truth of God's word to take me step by step through exactly what I need to do. That's what he's talking about. He says, to keep your righteous rules. Not to keep your lame rules. Right? Not to keep your very restrictive rules, to keep your righteous rules. These are the things that keep me in line with your character, God. May I truly follow those. He says in verse 107, I am severely afflicted. It's not like I woke up today and I have a little bit of pain. Or, whew, yesterday was, that was a little bit of a tough day. It's, I'm severely afflicted. Have you used those words in the last week at all? You know what I'm saying? Like, whew, man, I was severely afflicted this week. That was tough stuff, what was going on. Do you know what they said to me? Do you know how I was treated? Do you know what's going on with my health? I mean, some of us, you might actually say, yeah, I have been saying that this week. Maybe not those exact words, but I've been feeling it. Severely afflicted. There's times where life delivers a blow. And as we're walking through the daily pieces of life, we literally can look down at the word and it jumps off the page at us. I am severely afflicted. Yes, that's where I'm at. I've been wrestling with this loss, with this hurt, with this struggle, Lord. Please speak to me. In the midst of our deep affliction, He says, give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Give me life according to your word. Breathe into me the very things I need to know and hear 
Help me to begin to be revived with you, Lord, and what you're about. May the circumstances of this world and the troubles and the struggles and the junk I'm going through, may I just be able to set it aside and look to you. That's where I need to be. Okay, question. How many of us, when we're in the midst of our severe affliction, whatever it might be, that's the first thing we do. I'll just go right to the word, right? How many of it, like, is that you? That's, yeah, and we're all kind of going, I hear crickets, right? Every once in a while, when we're struggling, we get the right answer. Where we go to the word. And then often when we're struggling, the first thing we do is say, I was severely afflicted, Lord. So I really complained. Right? And then I realized complaining was just getting the people around me upset. So then I murmured. And I just muttered it under my breath. And after I complained and then I murmured, and it wasn't getting any better, I got angry. I thought maybe I'd rant a little bit in my own room with the door closed and figure out who I was going to go tell off. Oh yeah, and then there's your word. And by the time we get to his word, we have actually gone on a little path, a little adventure where we kind of blew out the candle, the lamp that lights our way, set it down, and we're blindly stumbling along, tripping off the path, falling on our face, doing whatever has to happen, and then finally we go, does anybody have a match, right? And we light the light that begins to show us where we need to be headed again. He was severely afflicted, and he recognized the power of God's word in his life to give him hope, to give him promise, to give him literal healing and understanding as God transformed him from the inside out. As the very glory of God poured over him and he began to get perspective he never had and the perspective allowed him to go about things in a way that so honored God, he so became enamored with God that he couldn't help but say, surely it has given me life to have been in the word this week. Except that that is the truth. And go after it. You know, God's word is a light to our path. God's word is a promise of hope. God's word truly can be that lamp. If we allow it to be. We'll stick with the old the uh, Indian theme here. Uh, my daughters and I were in Indian princesses growing up. That's like with the YMCA. Is anybody familiar with Indian princesses around here? Okay, like five of us. Good deal. All right. So Indian princesses. It's this YMCA program. It was dads and daughters. Okay. So dads would get their daughters together once a month and we would do things. We would do crafts and there'd be some little ritualistic thing that all the guys swore was getting borderline cultic, but whatever. And we do these little things together and then we, the girls would have a blast and we'd eat little snacks together and then you take them home. The big thing though was once in the fall, once in the spring, camp out. Okay. It was everything. I mean, it was a blast. We learned how to make checklists together so you didn't forget anything. And we'd go through it and we'd get flashlight, check, sleeping bag, check. And she's checking off the little boxes. And, you know, as Megan was the first one in, Alyssa's watching her and wanting to be a part of it. And, and eventually Alyssa got to be the one that was in there with me. And it was just a blast as we went through Indian princesses at the camp out. Well, one of the things that we did on this camp out was late at night, we would decide to go out for a walk in the woods. Uh, of course, the dads all knew we were going. 
And uh, so we made this plan. And so dad's had, you know, like the 30,000 lumen lights of, you know, so everything is lit up, right? Because quite frankly, we were afraid, let alone now, right? (laughs) So like we're walking through the woods and we've got these lights on and the big beaming lights are, and we're laughing and we're joking and we're talking and the girls are having fun. They're a little close to you, but we're having fun as we're walking along, right? And all of a sudden, one of the times Megan said, dad, my feet are killing me. And tears are welling up in her eyes. She was probably five years old at the time. I can't walk anymore. Can we just go back? Okay, sure. So we turn around and we walk away from the mega lumens of light pouring out. And I turn on my little flashlight. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? And we start walking back. And we're doing this as we're walking back the trail. And then she says, I can't walk anymore. Can I be on your back? So I put her up on my back. And I'm walking along like this. And the batteries are starting to go out now. Can you imagine? So now you're starting to go like this. You know what I mean? So you can at least see something as you're moving along. I think I got, oh, there's a root. Definitely knew that one was there. I remember that. Okay, got that. Oh, oh. and then you hit the next thing. You know what I mean? And we're using this thing to be our lamp as we walked along. When we finally got to the top of the trail and we stepped out of the woods, it was glorious. You know? Like you turn the light off, you just go, we have arrived to safety. And I set her down and she was all happy again because part of it, quite frankly, was the fear and We went over to the camp and sat down by the fire and just relaxed. Lighting your path. It's a big deal. God's word is promised to be there for each step of the way to help you through. You can turn it off. You will run into struggles. You can avoid what it's saying. You will hit the edges of the path and some problems. Be careful. Let God's word light your path. Spend time in it. Learn from it. Grow with him. Okay? That's our first responsibility. Second, learn God's word and retain it. Learn God's word and retain it. Notice what he says here, starting in 108. He says, Accept my free will offering of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. Accept my free will offering of praise, O Lord. Notice what he's not saying. Accept my mandatory gift that I had absolutely no choice to give and I feel a bit like I'm being robbed right now, right? That's not what he's saying. It's accept my free will offering. I want to give this to you, Lord. With all you're doing for me, I can't help but pour this out for you. Thank you for being involved in my life. I worship you. I'm praising you. You know what that means? Like, thank you so much. I'm lifting your name up. You are truly worth knowing and worth being with. My free will offering of praise. Personal name, O Lord, yeah, I am. Teach me your rules. Lord, just continue to let me know more and more from you. What do I need to know? Teach me. Help my brain grasp and help my body begin to get in line with. Teach me your rules. Have you ever seen somebody doing something where they're completely pathetic? They don't have any idea what they're doing. They're making a complete debacle of the whole thing. And you walk over and you're like, hey, could you teach me how to do that? Have you ever done that? Why not? Because he doesn't know what he's doing, right? I mean, when he's saying, teach me your rules, Lord, what's he really saying behind it? I've watched your character. I've seen you lead and I've seen you move. You know what you're doing. Lord, I need to be near you. Teach me your rules. You've got it together. 
May I be close to you. I hold my life in my hand continually. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. I got to tell you, this little phrase here in the Hebrew is, um, it's not totally understood. So just imagine, close your eyes, you ready? Imagine you have life. I'm not sure what that looks like. Picture your life. Do you have an image of it? Okay. Now put it in your hand. Doesn't that seem a little fragile to put the whole of your life in just your hand? Can you see that? There's sort of this image of, I'm kind of in a precarious, dangerous position, and a lot of my responsibilities are weighing upon me. And I'm a little bit concerned about my daily responsibilities, and I might train wreck them. That's kind of the illusion here in this poetic phrasing. I hold my life in my hand continually. Lord, I'm in a bit of danger, and I've got personal responsibilities, and it's not that I want to shuck those responsibilities and set them aside, but help me not to make a train wreck out of my life. He says in the midst, well, what's the answer for that? But I do not forget your law. Do not forget your law, Lord. As I hold on to the responsibilities of life, as I need to make decisions each day about where I'm headed, who I'm going to talk with, what I need to be saying, what I need to be doing, each decision of each day, that's my life in my hands. I have guidance as I go along. Your word, Lord. May I constantly look to your word and be led. As I look for ways to manage my emotions in the midst of this. And how can I get some peace in the midst of this? And how can my mind wrap around the positive elements of what's going on? And how can I be thankful here, Lord? And what would you like me to say to this person who's wronged me? And how can I forgive them when... Answer, 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 answer. Right? Led by the word. Please help me not to forget it. You know, how often do we hear something? Or we can even quote something... And then we turn around and walk away and we get involved in something else and it couldn't be further from our mind, right? It might just be right back there in the recesses and if somebody said, hey, quote this for me, you could rattle it off. But the thought of actually acting upon that, that's distant. You know what I mean? Forget not your laws. That's part of the plan. May my mind actually gain and retain what you're doing. Notice he says as well, the wicked have laid a snare for me. So first it was my life is in my hands and I might mess it up. Now my life is actually a little bit at risk from those around me too. The wicked have laid a snare for me. Wicked. You know, not those guys who pretty much know who you are, Lord, and they do a pretty good job, but every once in a while they make a mistake. No, not those guys. The wicked, you know, the ones who are so bent on evil that they are more happy when you're hurting than when you've got your act together. That they are more excited about you being involved in something wrong, maybe because it condones what they're doing, maybe they just want to see you in pain. Whatever it is, there is something truly wicked about what they're involved in. Those people, they're setting up snares. You know, the little traps where I can step in and get snapped and I'm stuck. Lord, they're trying to bring me down. Maybe they're inviting you to things you shouldn't be a part of. Maybe they're mocking you publicly whether it be in school or at work or wherever, and you're having to take a bit of that heat because you're not willing to get involved in what they're involved in. You're not willing to go the direction they're going. Maybe the snare they're making is nothing more than peer pressure, but it's a lot of it, and it doesn't feel good. Maybe it's way more than peer pressure. Maybe they're literally playing on your weaknesses and getting you to go places you wouldn't go on your own. Lord, there's snares being set for me. 
part of it we need to learn from this is watch out who you'd call friend. It's not wrong to reach out to anybody. It's not wrong to be uh, friendly and kind. But when we call someone friend, you have let them into the inner sanctum of who you are and they can trip you up or make you strong. Be very careful who's speaking into your life and where they're leading you. Make sure they're leading you towards the Lord, towards the word. Friendly, all over the place. Friends, very narrowed. Okay? It says, Lord, the wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. You know what precepts are? Those are like principles, guidelines I need to follow. Now help me go after those, Lord. I really want to follow after them. The stuff that you're asking me to do that actually makes this world tick, I want to be about that. May I understand how it goes and how your character works and what you want accomplished, and I am going to not stray from that. I'm going to be right on that, God. That's where I want to be. Lord, help me not to forget. Lord, help me not to stray. You know, as we talk about learning and retaining, it's kind of the, hey, we need to memorize Scripture, right? It's good for us to know it. And here's the reality. I can say that and we're like, blah, 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 church answer. I hear, memorize scripture. But I got to tell you, here's what we actually say, a lot of us, when we memorize scripture. Hey, what does this verse say? We quote it off and then we move on and it never impacted our life at all. We actually have to be very careful. So let me just give a few helpful hints about the way to put some word into your life, the way to maybe retain it in a way that can help change you, okay? First step, just a couple of steps here. First step. Get a version of the Bible that you're going to actually be able to retain, okay? I grew up on the King James. I just, the church I was at, they used the King James. So I'm telling you, for like, up until I was 18 years old, we memorized in the King James. They, they, they preached from it from the front. So thou and thus and thy and right, all that stuff. Like, it made sense to my ears. And quite frankly, it was easier to memorize for me. There was little words in there that made it easier. I mean, James 1.21, right? The superfluity of naughtiness. Do we say that every day? Like, that's not a phrase we'd use typically, right? So it kind of sticks out. It's pretty easy to lock that bad boy down to James 121. You know what I'm saying? Like, certain things that help it easier to memorize. So that's for me. That doesn't mean you have to be like that at all. You're like, that's weird, Tim. I'm not like that. Good for you. Okay? So I got, I got affected by it. It's my life now. Okay? So you'll hear me a lot of times when I'm quoting up here, and you'll hear me quote a verse, and I'm quoting in the King James. That's just the way it is. All right? So where are you at? What version works for you? Got to tell you, there's some great ones out there. I mean, you're looking for, like the NIV is a nice, easy-to-understand version. Uh, the NLT has some really good insight to it. It's very helpful. I love the ESV and the NASB for preaching. So if you can memorize out of that and we're preaching out of it, what a great match. Like, you pick the version, but find one that works for you that go after it, okay? That's important. Number two, make sure that you pick some verses that actually mean something to you. Like, man, I'm memorizing scripture this week. Cool, where you at? I'm in Leviticus. Okay. And that can help. Where in Leviticus? And why? I don't know. I just picked it. Move on, dude. Okay? Like, it's okay to say there's parts of Scripture that are going to be more valuable in the moment for where I'm at. And be looking for those. What piece of Scripture might be impacting me right now? I am in a deep struggle with dot, dot, dot. Lord, help me find some content about that. Look for some passages that will help you wrestle with where you're at. And then the next step is when you find that passage... Make sure you understand the passage. Don't just go to guns on memorizing, okay? 
And now you're just quoting words and you don't even know what you're saying and you're con- commenting and making phrases and somehow the superfluity of naughtiness comes off your lips and you don't even know what it means and you just keep moving on. Like that's not what we're looking for, okay? It's Lord, help me know it. May it apply to my life. May I get it. Then may I start putting it to memorization. Okay, now we're to the memorizing part. I've seen people memorize in all different kinds of ways. The one that never works is this. Keep reading the whole verse over and over again until it finally locks into your brain, okay? That will just not work. I'm telling you, unless you've, unless, I shouldn't say not. Some people have this unbelievable, perfect, like I can uh, re-see anything I've seen in the last 52 years. That'll work for you, okay? For the rest of us, okay, just reading it over and over again will make it familiar, but it won't lock in the phrases. So here's how you lock in the phrases. Ready? Here's the secret. Break it down. One phrase at a time. One phrase at a time. So you're going to take a phrase, maybe it's up to like an or or an and or a but or a comma, that kind of thing, maybe a semicolon, some kind of break, Lord. Show me the phrases. I'm going to memorize it phrase at a time. And then after that phrase, I'll get the next phrase. And when I've got the first phrase and then I get the second phrase, then I'll go back and I'll get the first and the second together. And then I'll get the third phrase. And then I'll get the first and second and third together. Then I'll get the fourth and all of a sudden I got the verse. And it's nailed. Just break it down. You'd be amazed how easy it is. There's a little thing that I'm having to do. We're making a video piece and there's some stuff I have to be uh, saying in it. And on the way over here this morning, I was quoting it off just a couple of times. And by the third time, my whole family is saying my intro to a video piece. Like they got it, right? They heard it three times. They got it nailed. They're like, we get that part. Move on, right? So break it down and you can learn it very easily. You'll be amazed, okay? Last piece is just make sure that you go over it. Make sure you review it, okay? That's how to memorize. Well, that's great. Those are words, blah, blah, blah. Let me just throw this in, too, on the side. Did you know there's different types of learners? There's, like, visual learners, and then there's audible learners. Did you know that? Okay, some of you are nodding yes. Some of you are like, I didn't know that. I'm not even sure I learned, right? (laughs) So visual learners, audible learners, like, whatever you want to call it. So some hear, and they can grasp it. Some literally see the visuals. Like, I'm telling you, when I'm quoting off Scripture, I see where it's at on the page. So when I'm quoting to you a James pastor, I'm seeing where it's at, and I can see myself turning the page to go to the next. Then, then there's others who have to see images or graphics. And like I knew one person where when she memorized, she would put an image to each phrase, and then she would put those images in line. It sounded more complex to me than anything, but it worked for her. So you put these images in line, and then she could go back and rattle through it. You have to figure out what works for you in memorizing. Do you need to be seeing it on the page? Do you need to be seeing the images? Whatever it is, work that out, okay? Enjoy it. Have fun with it. There's all different kinds of learners. Don't, like, don't make somebody jam you into a corner and do it their way, all right? Just make sure you can retain it. All right. That being said, time for a little homework assignment. Here we go. Let's throw up the, the verse. Okay, this is Psalm 119.11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. For all you King James people, you're like, that's not the verse. It's thy word have I hid in my heart. That I, right? Okay. So whatever. I understand there's different versions. This is the ESV, but we'll walk with this for today. Okay. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Just say it with me. Okay. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, 11. Let's say it again. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. It's always good to say where it's found, too, because you'll forget that after a fact. Okay, let's do this. Let's throw up just the first part. And...
we have it? There we go. Okay. So you see how we broke it down into a phrase? So this is the first phrase. I have stored up your word in my heart. Say it with me. You ready? I have stored up your word in my heart. Say it again. I have stored up your word in my heart. Now let's just put a little emphasis. We're going to emphasize the I. Ready? I have stored up your word in my heart. Now we're going to emphasize the stored. I have stored up your word in my heart. And where did we store it? In the heart. So emphasize that. I have stored up your word in my heart. Now close your eyes. Here we go. I have stored up your word in my heart. Say it again. I have stored up your word in my heart. One phrase down. All right, let's throw the second phrase up. Here we go. Let's just get this. That I might not sin against you. Say it with me. That I might not sin against you. When you see a word like that, it's purpose statement. That. I'm trying to get this accomplished, okay? So what good is there in storing it up? That I might not sin against you, okay? So let's say it again. That I might not sin against you. Now let's emphasize the I. That I might not sin against you. Now the sin. That I might not sin against you. Now the you. That I might not sin against you. Purpose. Do you hear how that verse starts taking on meaning as you emphasize each word differently? That's a big deal. That's a real power way to go through a passage. Read the verse, just emphasize and emphasize and emphasize. Now let's put the two together. Go back up. Ready? I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. Now close your eyes. Here we go. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. Try it one more time. Eyes closed. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. Welcome to Memorization 101. Okay? It's not hard. You just memorize a verse of the Bible. Let me tell you, it's an awesome passage. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Lord, give me the guidance. Walk me through. What do I need to know? Where do I need to go? Make your word come to life before me. And may I put it to mind and memory for all of eternity. Okay? So first, let the word of God light your path. Second, learn God's word and retain it. Third, thankfully celebrate God's special guidance through the word. Thankfully celebrate God's special guidance through the word. Verse 111. He says, Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Your testimonies are my heritage forever. The stories about you and what you're doing, God. Testimonies. The way you're working in these people's lives, as I see how you work with people, Lord, that, to me, is life-changing. It's my heritage forever. It's the thing I'm going to lean on. It's the treasure that I contain. It is all of what I've got. The knowing of you. Your testimonies, your testimonies, they're my heritage forever. Then he follows it up. For they are the joy of my heart. For they are the joy of my heart. 
Notice, joy of my heart is the stories of God at work in people's lives and understanding how God works in his character. Joy comes as we actually live with the Lord and see him move. We look at John chapter 15 and it talks about joy being guaranteed if you abide with him, if you pray, leaning upon him and asking him, interacting, and then if you just obey what you know to be doing. Kind of a stay, pray, and obey command, right? And that's where joy comes from. John 15, the joy in your life is found in letting the word of God be your heritage. The testimonies of who he is, the abiding with him personally, time daily and regularly, it'll rock your world. It'll change you forever. That's where joy comes from. You know, we're in a 30-day challenge right now, right? We're walking through. We've got these bookmarks. We're reading each day. Um, hopefully, you're being able to stay as close as you can to each day. I'm telling you the regularity of being in the Word and saying, Lord, I'm not here to check a box. Lord, I'm here to meet you. Lord, I'm here to abide with you. I'm here to spend time with you. I want you to literally show me something today where I go, got it. I need to be on that. I need to be working on that. I need to be praying for that. Lord, I'm abiding with you. May your word come to life for me. 30-day challenge is a great way to implement it. Notice it says, the joy of my heart. Now, this is an emotional piece. This is like, there's an excitement. There's a happiness. But there's more than that, right? With joy is this deep confidence, this, this understanding, this depth that's going on. And so you're seeing some of the emotional, but you're seeing broader than that as it's affecting. And where is it at? It's in your heart. The joy of my heart. You know, and oftentimes when we see that word in Scripture, it's actually referring to the inner man, the whole of you, the emotional, the volitional, the I decide to do this, and the rational, the and I'm musing and thinking on this. All of those pieces being a part of the heart. Are you sure that's what it is, Tim? Take a look at the next verse. So we have the joy of a heart there. Now we say, I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Do you hear it? It's not like, I'm going to control the way I feel. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about way more than feelings here. He's talking about your will being put into gear. He's talking about your thinking being put into gear. I incline my heart. I will set it up for right thinking. I will set it up for right acting following the thinking and then my feelings following the acting. So the thinking and the acting and the feeling, they all come together. The rational the volitional and the emotional, my heart, Lord, is going to be set on you. There's going to be joy. There's going to be an inclined tendency of me leaning to you. That I'm willing to celebrate. Lord, may I strictly thank you for all you're doing. Thankfully celebrating God and his special guidance. Well, how long will that last? I mean, sounds like a nice little fix for a moment, maybe. Forever to the end. That's how he ends the passage, right? I'm going to be on this thing for all eternity. I'm telling you this. Every day we have, every day we have in heaven, the billions and billions and billions of years, and, and it's never, ever, ever going to go boring. Why? Because every moment of every day will be a constant grasping of the vastness of our God and a little bit more and a little bit new and fresh way and an unbelievable angle that you missed of him and a constant celebration, never the flame put out.
by sin or hurt or pain, constant flame and flame getting hotter and more and more of him being known and that's forever. And that's what we're talking about. Amen? May we thankfully go after him for all eternity. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for how it brings joy to my heart. Lord, thank you for what it does for guiding me and convicting me. Lord, may I put myself in your hands. Change me for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for all you're doing. I am constantly amazed with you. You know, over the past couple of weeks, I've had people coming up and just telling me stories of what's going on in their life. And, and uh, last week, I had somebody come up and just say, this has been unbelievable. My life has so changed in the last six to nine months. I mean, marriage is better and, and you know, things are going well and I'm, I'm learning from his word and there's things I needed to let go of and stop doing and they're done and, and like stuff is changing in my life. And, you know, I had another person come up, said almost the exact same thing, ended it with this exclamation point. I'm on fire right now. Are you hearing it? That's a big deal. That's where we all can be. That's where we all, dare I say, should be. I want to be careful with that word. It's not about the guilt. It's about the privilege, the opportunity to grab onto him with all you've got so you can't help but t- say to the person next to you, I'm just telling you, you better step back because I'm on fire right now. God's moving in me. Things are happening in me. I'm so impassioned with him. His word is alive. He's changing me. That's when we get on fire. Amen? What's our responsibility? God, I'm an open book. Change me. Let your word light my path. May I learn your word and retain it. And Lord, may I every day be thankful for everything that you are doing in my life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. All things work together for good to them that love him. Wrestle with it. Be thankful for it. Take it to your knees. Let the Lord Almighty be glorified through you. That's our responsibility. Let's pray.